I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hi, this is Dewey Jenkins. After my four years in the Navy, Renee and I moved to Charlotte, even though neither of us were from here. I was from the mountains of Virginia, and she was from Florida. But we agreed that Charlotte was where we wanted to build our future together. I was a full-time student at UNCC by day and ran a janitorial business at night. And a few years later, I bought a little air conditioning company. And that's how I met you. And I'm really glad I did. It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni and Will Bryan, presented by Morris Jenkins. That's right. It's that time of the week, the Happy Half Hour podcast presented by Morris Jenkins. And Mr. Jenkins told me that he loves football and he looks forward to this show all week. When your plumbing or air conditioning is acting up, call Morris Jenkins or visit morrisjenkins.com. Kristen here with Will and Matt, and uh, it's been quite an interesting week here in Charlotte. It started on Saturday night, the Panthers going up to Green Bay, playing the Packers close, but ultimately not getting it done. Another one-score loss for this young team. Then on Monday, the team parted ways with general manager Marty Herney, and now they are getting ready to face the Washington football team and former head coach Ron Rivera. So many things. What a week. So many things. Where do we start? Where do we start? Let's start with the uh, Marty Herney news. It was the end of his contract coming up um, last year on his contract. And it just seemed like from everything that uh, owner Dave Tepper said, it was time. It was, you know, his contract was not going to be renewed at the end of the season. And maybe in both parties' interests um, to go ahead and let it uh, happen now when he had made the decision so that they could both start to look elsewhere. I think that many people expected something like this maybe to have happened last year. You know, a new owner comes in, you know, he gets a new head coach. You you kind of think that he's going to just do everything new. And I think one of the things that I, I give uh, Dave Tepper a lot of credit for was that he understood kind of this is a long game, mm-hmm. this is a long process, and it can make things that much more difficult if – everyone's new if everyone's coming in and there really isn't any sort of expertise or or knowledge of you know here he is this is a a NFL owner that's only been in one or two years as a you know full-fledged owner you know a college head coach that's only spent you know a couple years with the Giants as an assistant you know Marty Herney knows how this works and especially in a year with you know a pandemic 
with all the things that were going on, you know, I, I thought that his words about that in the last couple of days were, were really telling of how much he actually, I mean, I think those are sincere. He really did value um, the experience and the expertise that, that Marty Herney had this year to help this group. But now I think, you know, he still wanted to, to bring in and to develop, you know, kind of a, a scouting and general manager and operations system department that really kind of reflected the way that both he and, and Matt and, and this whole kind of group kind of wanted to see going forward. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought the the things he said about Marty Herney were very sincere and uh, Coach Rule as well. You know, I talked to him and he spoke to the media and said he's learned a lot from him and really has, I think, really a lot of regard for, for Marty and their time together and helping him get settled. And I, he said he's taught him a lot. And so I think it's, you know, I think everyone is going to part ways um, with good memories and good experiences and Certainly, you know, wish the best to to Marty, and I, I think it's it sounds to me like he and Coach Rule will keep in contact, and that's a good relationship um, that they can leave on. But um, it just seemed as as Dave Tepper said, it was he said we learned a lot. You know, Matt Rule and I learned a lot, but it was uh, time to graduate. And it's very hard to get first round draft picks right. It is very difficult, and you look at these drafts that that. Um, Marty Herney has been in charge of. There's been a lot of really, really good first round draft picks that were exactly right, you know, exactly it. But I think, you know, we were talking about before, there's there's more to this job and there's especially more to this job now, I think maybe, you know, maybe than 10 years ago or 15 years ago than the NFL draft, than seven picks. There's There's so much more in terms of running an organization, running a part of an organization, running departments, running all these things that that take more than just scouts, scouting reports, and picking some players in April. Um, and I think that's part of, of what this decision is, is really kind of building a foundation and building an entire top-to-bottom uh, organizational group uh, that really kind of reflects, you know, in analytics and data and all that stuff kind of gets thrown around. I think it's tools. It's Those are just more tools. There's more tools that need to be in the toolbox and they need to be integrated um, in a more specific way, I, I think is what it is. It's not just – I think people were asking, all right, what 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 analytic, what number? Like is there like a number that says like this player's really good? Yeah, you know, and then old like, Panther stats guy over here is like, please, come on. Exactly. No, there's yeah. not. No, there's it not. Really if there isn't. was one it's, number, it's, it's, everyone tools. would use it. Yeah, right. It's, it's, it's just more tools, and it doesn't mean that there's an answer. It just means that there's more at your disposal. Yeah, more holistic approach, considering mm-hmm. a lot more things as you make any decision. Right. Uh, but you mentioned the draft and and those first round picks that he's brought in here and has gotten right. I, I thought it'd be a good time to talk about this past draft um, because it kind of matches up. We're talking about what Marty Herney does so well with um, that game in Green Bay. You know, I was looking at that D line and you had Yitor Grosmatos. Uh, Derek Brown, Bravion Roy, and then Brian Burns out there for yeah. almost the entire game with a very young, uh, thin D-line. And they had five sacks on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. After, um, you know, Green Bay had only given up 14 on the season. And that's, you know, that's not uh, the whole picture. Uh, there's certainly things that, that these young guys can improve on and this defense can improve on as a whole. But then, you know, you, you look back and there's there's Jeremy Chin out there as mm-hmm. well. And, and Matt Rule talked about that and, Marty uh, trading up for him, and he's in contention to be the defensive rookie of the year. I think this defense, um, especially those guys that were drafted, 
really, you know, Matt Rule said, he said, they're going to be called on early. I mm-hmm. wish that wasn't the case. This was in April when he said this. I wish that wasn't the case, but that's the way things are right now. And every single one of them has been. And, you know, Bravion Roy out there, the sixth rounder, yeah. looks good. Yeah. And I just, uh, I think this young defense is really coming on. And I think those draft picks, those seven guys are a part of it. Um, but I've been... I've been impressed with the growth that these young guys have shown over the last three or four games. Again, still far from perfect, still a lot of work to do, but I think it is heartening, Will, and I wanted to know what you think to see the improvement, to see them starting to settle in um, and be able to make big plays. Back in, I think it was November, we were talking about, you know, what are we looking for here? I think it was, you know, after the Panthers were maybe officially eliminated from the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. So what are we playing for? What do we What do we look to see in the next four games? And, you know, I was like, you, you want to win, you want to play well, you want to set a tone for next year. And I think, you know, the wins haven't necessarily come. And there's a, there isn't, we'll, we'll, we could talk about it later. There's an upside. They're close to picking third in the draft. I mean, there's an upside to that. But there are specific areas of play that you are seeing momentum being built. Mm-hmm. You know, this defense, it went from giving up third down conversions, what, 50% of the time for most of the season? It's down to 30% over the last couple weeks, over the last three or four weeks. Yeah, four weeks, I think. And, you know, going into the Green Bay game, so their third down numbers uh, over the last three weeks, going into the Green Bay game were, like you said, around 30%, 35%. The quality of opponent was not quite to the level as some of the other teams that they had played, uh, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers. So you go, okay, well, but then – they were going up against the second-best third-down offense and the potential NFL MVP um, in this game. And they, after those first few, what was it? They started out— uh, Four for four. Four for four, giving up— five yep. after that? Yeah. It was—and I think I think it was the total. The last numbers were five for 12. I'm just—we're yeah. saying random oh, yeah. stats right now. It's a great, <laughs> great, well-researched here on the Happy Half Hour podcast presented by Morris Jenkins, but— that is that's improvement, mm-hmm. and I think that also gives those guys confidence and being able to get to um, get to the quarterback as well, which is something that they struggled with early on this year. I think we're starting to see uh, consistent improvements in those areas. And one one thing I will shout out shout out to that group is they did it the five sacks on six blitzes, which was the best like sack to blitz ratio yeah. in the NFL last week. And that speaks to, A, what Phil Snow has always said, you have to be able to get home with four. You've got to be able to get home with four and not have to send six or seven. And it means that against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in this, you know, vaunted pass, Dante Jackson played really well. He did. Those guys back there, you know, there Russell were a couple. Douglas. Russell Douglas. Those guys had a lot of pressure on them, and they were able to hold it down until Brian Burns and F.A. and Derek Brown could get there. And I think that it's it takes all of that. You know, it's not just the pass rush. If you if you give up something on the back end, you could be a half second away every time, but someone's open and they get the pass off. So good for them to, you know, they came up, they made hits, they were physical, um, they had really good coverage against a really, really, really good passing offense. Okay, so now what do we do, you know, this next week? How do you continue to carry that on? I think that's that's the challenge and that's the uh the the thing we want to see. Yeah, I was talking to Matt Rule earlier this week, and I asked him about this defense. I said, are you seeing the things that that I'm seeing? Um, You know, the consistent improvement, guys starting to get comfortable. And he said, yeah, he said, I think some of our young players are playing the the best that they ever have. And I I think that's great. Um, 
but you're right in terms of it's got to carry over. I think mm-hmm. it has been building, but you want to see them finish out the season strong. And I think that was where, um, when you talked to Matt Rule earlier in the season, if it you know if it was penalties in one game, it was third downs in another game. And I'm not just talking defense, but you know with the young team and with implementing this new uh, way of playing and not having those preseason games or OTAs, you know they'd have a, a good showing in one category, yeah. and then it'd be something else situationally. And it feels like they're starting to move toward while. Certainly not perfect. Um, more consistency. And he said this a lot. They, when you've lost this many, what is it, eight, nine in a row? You know, four and four and ten now. We haven't lost. Uh, well, the Lions was. Oh in right, there. yeah. Sorry, the yes. Lions. Sorry. Yep. Hey, that was a, that was a shutout in the NFL. Yeah. Well, yeah come sorry. On. Sorry. Forgot about that meme. But when when you've lost like this, it is really hard to kind of keep bringing it mm-hmm. to keep coming, and that's the thing that. While there have been mistakes, there have been penalties, there have been um, missed assignments, or there, there have been things like that, but there hasn't been <laughs> hasn't been a lack of effort, I think, on defense. True. And and especially when you see those guys show up in Lambo and they're flying around and they're hitting people hard and they're you know they're really engaged with this, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you need. Like you you just you have to stay engaged, you have to stay really amped to to do this job at the highest level. Well, one of those guys that is doing uh, this job at the highest level for a rookie is Jeremy Chin. Um, He's going to be, I mean, they're not playing against each other, of course, but, you know, he and Chase Young, the two front runners for defensive rookie of the year, they know that they're playing against each other this week uh, in this game. And you got to think that it's, it's on their minds and they're still both trying to make their last push where do you think it stands right now? I know it's hard for us to say because because yeah. we're on you know we're Panthers employees, but but just objectively, Panther stats guy, what do you think? I I was a little worried this week, not because of Chin, but because Chase Young made the Pro Bowl over Brian Burns, and I think to me that shows kind of you know it, it's obviously there's some different elements that go into this. There's Pro Bowl is more of a popularity contest. Okay. You know, the voters for defensive player of the or rookie of the year are a little bit more engaged with the sport, you know, or a little bit more informed. Um, but yeah, the fact that like Burns had such better stats and they're playing the same position, it's like these are directly com- comparable. Um, and but I, I feel like people are they know about Chase Young. He's kind of been very flashy this year. You know, and he was someone people knew about in college. Right. You know, yeah. he, he came out, you know, he was a you know, no one knew about Chin. It, it's taken it's taken the second half of the season for Chin to really get on people's radar. Really, the Minnesota game for kind of a national audience, you know, with the two touchdowns. So it's kind of been it's kind of been late, and the fact that Washington is yeah winning you that's know, the, you know they, if they go to the playoffs, yeah. you know it, that could be a, a deciding factor if they're similar enough. I mean, because the problem is those two they play different positions. Yeah. So you can't compare tackles to tackles. You can't compare you know interception. It, it's just a little bit different. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, regardless, they're both having great oh, yeah. seasons. Oh, yeah. um, and, and whether, you know, one of them takes it away over the other, I mean, they should both still just be incredibly proud. And it's exciting to see both of their careers um, develop at this next level for both of them. But I know they both want it. Of course you you want mm-hmm. it. Um, 
All right, but let's talk about this game as a whole here on the Happy Half Hour podcast presented by Morris Jenkins. But quickly, Mr. Jenkins told me his plumbers and AC techs secretly wear Panthers jerseys under their uniforms. When your plumbing or air conditioning is acting up, call Morris Jenkins or visit morrisjenkins.com. So um, Panthers facing the Washington football team, facing Ron Rivera, facing Thomas Davis. Well, you know, I wasn't here for that era. I was a fan um, during that time and have have great respect, certainly for both of them. Um, but I know you have been here for for quite a while. And I just was wondering what kind of personal stories um, do you have about either one of those guys? Or what does this mean, you know, that that they're facing them right now? I, I think that Thomas Davis will always continue to kind of be this um, – this kind of bedrock of what Panther football really was. Uh, he He's someone that, you know, I o- over the course of all of these last several years of all of these big-time names and faces leaving the organization at different points, that one really hurt. Yeah, That one hit really hard. Um, and, you know, this one, this one's going to be, it, it was, it was, I was glad we didn't have to face the Chargers last year when he was playing for them, but this this one's going to be tough. I, I'm not sure how much he hasn't played in, in every game this year, um, but just seeing him on the field talking to our guys, it, it's going to mean a lot. You know, Thomas was someone that, you know, he was he was he was mature when he was young. Hmm. He was the old man in the locker room when he was like 22, <laughs> and and he kind of always carried himself that way. And you just you know you immediately. He he's the guy, him mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. He kind of always had that to him, and when he walked in I the think room, Jeremy Chin has that. Yeah, I mean, very yeah. you know mature beyond his years, right? Too. Right, but I mean that that was what Thomas was for. I mean, two thousand five to two thousand eighteen. That's a long time. Yeah, to be the face of you know, there's there were a lot of faces, but I think Thomas really represented that for me. And of course, you know, Ron Rivera. He ingratiated himself in this community. You know, like he he was out everywhere. He was. Um, he was someone that for all of the, the tough times when, you know, he had to, uh, not battle, but, you know, he had to go at it with reporters at different times, you know, like his last press conference, long time gritty sports reporters had tears in their eyes, you know, like, and I think that, that speaks to, that speaks to all of it, um, of kind of the impact and the relationships that, that someone can have in a community. On everything he's been through and, and just mm-hmm. his, his fight and hearing people around the office who have checked in with him. It's it's great to hear that, that he's doing well. It's just been quite a year for him. But I, I will say, as I said, I was not here with the organization um, to work with either of those guys. But two things stand out to me. Number one, I've never heard anyone here say a bad word about Ron Rivera. Yeah. The people that have worked with him for, for years and years. And I just think that's... That that right there is it, mm-hmm. you know. That's the the mark of who he is, and um, I just think that's incredible. What a what a great person to have led the Panthers for as long as he did, and now to lead the Washington Football Team, and, and happy for their success that they're having this season. And then with Thomas Davis, um, I I got to talk to him once. It was during the schedule release show. Oh we did yeah, the digital show. That's right. And he came on this show. We had people from from different teams and he came on and did the Panthers schedule release show. I just thought that was the coolest, you know, and just couldn't have been nicer and more gracious. But then also I can't remember. I want to say maybe it was KK that was on at the time we'd paired up different players, mm-hmm. um, 
we had um, Christian McCaffrey and Tyron Matthew to talk about the the Chiefs game. And then I, I want to say it was Thomas Davison and KK, but I can't quite remember off the top of my head with this being so long ago. But, you know, he was also just like, oh, I got this one circled. Like, don't you don't you worry. Like, this one's going to be fun. Can't wait for you guys to come up here. But I just thought that was a, a mark of just a very a classy guy. And you could tell how excited that um, that KK was to talk to him and the other guys that were on with me, you know, Jake and mm-hmm. people that knew him well were excited to talk to him. So, you know, good memories. It'll be he, nice to get to see all of the interactions and see, you know, old friends get to, to say hello. He is a guy that I think very few people in any organization can really say this, but he's someone that he spans generations of of a team, of an organization, of a fan base, of uh, of all of it. You know, he's he's like the pre-Twitter guy. You know, like he's yeah. he's gotcha. you know, you talk to like you think about the Hall of Honor guys, like he's Jake's class. I mean, it's, I mean he came in 2 years after Jake was here. I mean, he played with Jake for like 4 years. And then he's playing with Cam, and then he's playing in almost, you know, th- this kind of like after that it, it was he just spans all of these iterations of what this franchise has been, um, and I think I think that's really cool. That's that's a great point. I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're absolutely right. All right, is it is it that time of the week for Will's stat of the week? I think it's that time. All right, what do you got for us? Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. Stat of the week. So last week we talked about Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. Both of them became 1,000-yard receivers in the same game at Green Bay, just the second time in franchise history that we had a pair of wide receivers that both had 1,000 receiving yards in the same season, which is really, really special for those guys. This week, Mike Davis is 13 scrimmage yards away from 1,000 scrimmage yards, Mm. so rushing and receiving. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that might seem okay. But we've only ever had three guys with 1,000 scrimmage yards in a season once before. Really? Yes. It's only ever been two, except for 2009 when Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams, and mm. Steve Smith mm. wow. all, all had 1,000. So this could be a re- like a really special year from that standpoint in terms of Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Mike Davis, the trio of 1,000-yard players. In the 1K club. Right. That's great. And that's great for Mike Davis, too. And, and mm-hmm. what a um, what a what's the right word? I was going to say just like what a surprise. Surprise doesn't feel like the right word because Unsung this coach hero. Yeah. Just uh, what a gift that he's been to the Panthers uh, in the absence of, of Christian McCaffrey, which is something, you know, Christian McCaffrey's never had to deal with injury before. And we didn't know a lot about Mike Davis. And I remember at training camp, um, you know, they. He had people standing on the table for him, mm-hmm. saying, like, this is going to be – he was one of those training camp guys that they were like, oh, we're really impressed. And as you know, sometimes those those guys pan out or sometimes they just end up having a good training camp. And I just think it's it's all due to his hard work and the way that he plays. And um, But I just think it's uh, – that's great. I hope – I think he will get there, of course. But yeah. um, I hope he gets recognized for that because uh, he's just been um, a, a great player for this team all year long. Absolutely. When they needed it most. All right, something to keep an eye on for next week. If the Panthers get a third down stop in the third quarter during a home game, so that'll be the game against the Saints, last game of the season, one lucky fan will win a smart home smoke and carbon monoxide detector, the Morris Jenkins Protect and Check Sweepstakes. If the Panthers get a fourth down stop in the fourth quarter, that same fan will also be going home with a $1,500 gift card. And as we've been saying, 
those third down stops are, are happening. So make sure you go to uh, contest.panthers.com for more details on how you can enter. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we're coming right back with our weird question of the week holiday edition. Hi, this is Dewey Jenkins. After my four years in the Navy, Renee and I moved to Charlotte, even though neither of us were from here. I was from the mountains of Virginia, and she was from Florida. But we agreed that Charlotte was where we wanted to build our future together. I was a full-time student at UNCC by day and ran a janitorial business at night. And a few years later, I bought a little air conditioning company. And that's how I met you. And I'm really glad I did. All right, back here on the Happy Half Hour podcast. It's time, as always, for the weird question of the week. And we were like, look, we got to do it. We got to do it holiday style. You have a question for us. So best and worst Christmas presents you've received over your lifetime. Okay. Something that really stands out. Now, this is going to sound weird. I'm not a big gift person. Mm-hmm. Like we typically do, my husband and I, ex- experiences, well, before when we could have experiences. Um, you know, I'm not a big like little gift person. I don't, you know care about getting them you know that kind of thing um we'll typically do something maybe a a trip or a weekend away or something like that and that's what we'll give to each other um so i i'm sure i'm missing some stuff but i was racking my brain i'll start how about we all start with best does that sound good Mm -hmm. okay so one year when i was a kid i want to say it's like i was maybe five or six and this is not i don't know if this qualifies as best i'm sure i've gotten something way cooler but it just stands out to me. So I um, had just won, for whatever reason, I had won a, a contest and received a new bike. Like it was just like a you enter your name and you get a bike. And I was like, this is awesome. It came like two days before Christmas. But then my parents had already gotten me a bike, um, you know, like with the, the little tassels yeah. and the handlebar. It was like my first because I wanted to learn how to ride a bike. And they were like, you know, they put it out there on Christmas Day. And we're like, they, they were like, we know that you just won a bike. But we had, you were so excited, and we had this for you. And I was like, this is great. I've got two bikes. Um, I would go after school to where my dad worked. So I was like, we'll put one there, and, you know, one there. And then we went to my grandmother's house a little bit later that day. And my mom comes up to me, and she's like, when you see your aunt, she's going to give you something. Like, just act surprised. And my cousin had outgrown her bike. So then they roll this other bike up. I got three bikes in one <laughs> oh year. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It was awesome. I rode every single one of them. I was. It was like I was on cribs. Yeah. Like I just like which one do I want to take out today? Um, that's pretty good. So that's the thing that stands out to me, Matt. What's yours? Um, the thing that first comes to mind is, I guess it was 2005. LSU was playing Georgia in the SEC championship, and LSU got creamed. DJ Shockley was the quarterback for Georgia. They're very good. Uh, so yeah, they beat us really badly and it was like a couple weeks before Christmas. And when I was a kid, I would get like, I would cry when LSU would lose. It would like ruin my weekend. Like I would get really invested and my dad felt so bad for me that he went and got my present early. And it was, uh, um, an LSU helmet, like a, a game worn helmet. Oh wow. That's cool. He gave that to me. And so that's the one that I still have it on my bookshelf at home. I, so that would probably be the gift that I've kept the longest and. I think about the most, I suppose. Did it smell sweaty when you got it? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. That's, you know, it's authentic that's, that's right there. Cool. So let me make sure it's game worn. All right. Um, <laughs> Will, what's yours? Okay, so mine, mine can't compare to that, but it's in a similar vein. So this is more because of the age that I was that I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I think this was 1992, so I was six, 
And obviously, 1992 is kind of the heyday of the Dallas Cowboys, mm-hmm. um, pre-Carolina Panthers. So I got the, I can't remember who made it, but, you know, like the full uniform. The helmet, the shoulder pads. Like the plastic helmet? Yes, the yeah. plastic helmet, the plastic shoulder pads, like the knee pads, the thigh pads, in the pants, the whole Dallas Cowboy number eight uniform. That is pretty sweet. And that is pretty yeah, cool. I wore it around all day on Christmas. I think at one point I got in trouble because I went outside and had all of the pads and helmet on and decided to run into a tree to see how the, <laughs> how, how it would hold up because I didn't have anyone to hit. So I kept running myself oh my into yeah. trees. <laughs> my mom finally like saw me out the window and came and like screamed to get me. But yeah, I had the whole thing just like running around because I was like an only child. So I didn't have people to play with. So here I am in my Troy Aikman uniform, just running into things. Do we have pictures of these? I was about to say it's it's because all your neighbors thought you were crazy, just running into trees. Like, oh my no god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's that, tree, that it's was tree kid again. I, 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 I do not kid. still have that. I don't have that one. I, I will say that hasn't lasted the test of time. That's funny that both of yours were football related. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Worst. Um, I guess I'll since we're going around in a circle, I will uh, go first. I, again, this is not. This is why I said my little caveat, which is I don't think this is probably the worst president I've ever gotten. But again, this is like memorable. So my now husband, we started dating in college and I so I grew this just when we had to have like a like a conversation about how we're going to handle Christmas gifts from now. And so I grew up in a house. I don't know about you guys where my mom was like, if you don't like something, please tell me because I would hate for you to keep it and pretend that you like it. Mm. Let's put that toward like let's get you something that you love um rather than like spend that money towards something that you're never going to use or that it you didn't want you know so just like honesty was always the best policy like that's how you showed um like love in the family around christmas was just like being honest so that everyone knew that you were really happy with the thing that they put their hard-earned money into kind of a thing um so my um boyfriend at the time now husband got me this perfume and it was just like it smelled, I mean, it was, I, I think it was like very expensive and he had gone to the trouble of going to, to get it. And, um, I think he really liked it and, you know, went to like the counter and spent, spent a good amount of money on it. And I was like, this is really, it was like one of those, you know, expensive, like a Gucci or a YSL, like it's something. And I was like, this is really expensive. He spent a lot of money on this and I, I just couldn't, I did not like the smell. I was like, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to, do I say something? Do I, I not like, you know? Yeah. And so I tried to wear it a couple times and I just was like, oh no, I can't do it. Like I can't, this is a big bottle of perfume. Like I can't, you know? And so that was just the time where we had to have the conversation of like, I have to tell you, I don't like this. Like, I don't know how you're going to take it. We're just starting to date, but if you, yeah, I know you like it, but I'm not going to be wearing this. So it's either going to go, you know? back behind the medicine cabinet or you know you're gonna ask me about it and so that was just I just remember that being like a I did not know how it was gonna go um and it was fine I mean it was all fine but now he just knows now we have learned to check with each other (laughs) in terms of of things but I don't think he grew up in a household where you were just like honesty was the the best policy you know it was um that was just like not it was just very different and so we had to you know figure those things out like you got to figure out where you go for the holidays you had to figure out Mm -hmm, um how you're going to handle when someone gets you something that you don't like so that's the one I remember (laughs) 
I don't know if I have a worse gift that at least I have had plenty of boring gifts, but um, nothing that that sticks out or anything like that. Will you go first? Maybe I'll think of something, but I I don't know. Yeah, so mine isn't like bad bad. It's more kind of funny. So you know, obviously, uh, in the last ten years, had been living around the country, and so would just come home um, for Christmas for like two days to mm-hmm. see my parents and and um, and some family. So we would do like uh, opening gifts like in the evening after dinner. And um, I think one year, so I came back and like some of the guests had left. So it was just kind of like immediate family. And so I'm going to like change out of like my more dressier clothes that we wore for lunch. So I go back into like the room that they had. And I guess I realized I had left the previous year's gift, which was um, like pajama pants or kind of like lounge pants in the room in Charleston the entire year. I'm like, oh, well, you know perfect time to wear them mm-hmm. you know come back out it's nice and cozy so i put on the pants come back out what is the first gift they give me the exact same pair <laughs> of lounge pants because they forgot that they did it the year before <laughs> because it's always it's every year it was always just kind of like the thing to give and kind of the family and extended family was like warm socks and pajama pants i don't know why How did you play it off i was i mean i was just like well look i i guess I'm wearing them, and everyone just thought it was hilarious. I'm like, yep, I, I can bet what I'm getting next year. Did you did you take them back with you? Oh, no. There's there's still I've, just I've, like every no. year there's just an extra pair of There's just an extra pair pants? down there. Yeah, I think, I've, I think I kept one out of like the six years that I've gotten pajama pants. Still going to be I – I bet I know what you're getting this year. Yep. All right, this was a blast. Uh, thank you, guys, and uh, happy holidays, everybody. We'll see you next week. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.